Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Uh, I'm Tarun Khanna. Welcome to the Mittal Institute and uh, Associated Organizations, Harvard Organizations, sponsored event on the Landsat Citizens Commission for Reimagining India's Health. Uh, the purpose of this, uh, this, this webinar, this hour and something uh, session is to introduce this exciting and ambitious endeavor to the Harvard community. Uh, I'm joined by uh, two of the three co-chairs uh, of this commission, Bikram um, Patel, professor at uh, Harvard Medical School and Harvard School of Public Health, and Kiran Mazundar Shaw, one of India's leading uh, entrepreneurs. Um, our third co-chair, co Gagandeep Kang, is uh, unable to join us, but sends her greetings. Uh, the idea of the Landsat Citizens Commission is to pull together a very diverse group of people uh, as befits trying to think about healthcare for 1.3 billion people in an extremely diverse and large society uh, to bring together these facets so that we can think about, if you like, a theory of change towards universal healthcare and a meaningful path that makes progress within a defined time period. I like to think 10 years, but that's just me speaking, uh, but something that is research-driven um, uh, falsifiable and therefore uh, testable through hypotheses uh, in a rigorous academic way, but also has very concrete policy implications that the series of policymakers, uh, academics, activists, entrepreneurs who are part, who are commissioners on this, uh, on, this, on this commission, several of whom are on screen with us today, uh, so that we can all see it happen in a defined time period. Uh, by way of introduction, I just want to say one thing, a couple of things about what makes this effort uh, distinct in our minds. Those of you who are familiar with India or familiar with healthcare uh, in India or uh, some sort of combination of uh, uh, those topics uh, will know that there have been many, many commissions in the past, uh, most of which start and end with an exhortation towards universal healthcare. It's hard to imagine that you would not want to move in that direction. Uh, probably the earliest such exhortation goes back to, I want to say 1946 or 47, I forget, uh, with the Bohor Commission. Most of these reports, while well-intentioned, haven't really resulted in universal health care. A fact that is painfully obvious to those of us who have been watching the pandemic rolling through, that has been exposing so many schisms so sadly and so graphically uh, to, to, to the world, not just in India, many developing countries, and in a sense, uh, part of what I find interesting as someone uh, who works on economic development and entrepreneurship in poor countries um, is that a lot of what we can learn in India would also be of interest to those in the Harvard community and around the world interested in other developing countries. Uh, so we've tried to do two different things from these past commissions. The first is uh, a strong hint in the title of the commission. It is the Citizens Commission. And the idea is to go out um, and very ambitiously try to hear, if you will, statistically and qualitatively, um, the voices of frontline uh, users and providers of the healthcare system, patients, community health workers, doctors, physicians, what have you. Um, and somehow capturing the views of the citizenry is something that's really quite distinct from a bunch of people in an ivory tower deciding on something as important and weighty uh, as, as universal healthcare. Um, the second thing I think is that we have consciously, uh, for the last six months during which this commission has been uh, beginning, has, has been debating the issues, we've consciously embraced what I would describe as points of schism that often are swept under the rug. 
uh, right right up front is uh, the 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 uh, the tension between, if you will, uh, formal medicine. Well, maybe that's the wrong word. Allopathy, as well as traditional forms of medicine, uh, both of which coexist in a country like India, and again in many other developing countries uh, that have traditionally tended to do their work in silos, uh, perhaps with some degree of mutual suspicion. Uh, we feel that uh, differences of opinion should be encouraged, uh, both in an academic setting and in a, in a setting that seeks to create realistic uh, policy frameworks and policy that can be implemented. Uh, they shouldn't be sideswept. They should be engaged with, and uh, we should find a way to, to leverage the strengths of diversity as opposed to collapse under, its, under the weight of its difference. The second schism that I want to bring up, uh, particularly as someone at the Harvard Business School, is a schism between private sector and public sector. Um, uh, uh, as regards healthcare, private sector has often been demonized. Uh, there is surely uh, grounds for uh, being suspicious of some private sector activity. But the fact is that uh, private sector is also the engine of dynamism. Uh, it is also where much of the healthcare is delivered on the ground. Um, uh, and whereas we all recognize, and this commission explicitly has stated, that the government and the state ultimately is the regulator, financier, steward of healthcare, uh, somehow the private sector has to be harnessed. So again, I think in contrast to most prior healthcare commissions of this sort, uh, again, well-meaning uh, commissions staffed by extremely erudite people, uh, that particular schism has not been embraced. So we'd like to embrace that as well and bring it on board. So without further ado, uh, I am going to be the moderator of this panel. I have said pretty much all that I need to say. I'm, let me give you a sense of how we're gonna run this. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm gonna call in my, one of my co-chairs, uh, Kiran, to essentially describe the structure of the commission and the introduction of work streams uh, for no more than 10 minutes. I will then moderate a discussion for half an hour, including Q&A from those who are on, the, uh, uh, on, this, on this session. Uh, then uh, my colleague and also co-chair Vikram will give a sense of the research methodology that we will follow. Uh, and uh, hopefully we will have time for some uh, closing comments and so on and so forth. Um, oh, I see, I have slightly different directions. So the half an hour in between is gonna be Q&A, uh, I mean, a discussion among the panelists. And it's towards the end that we will solicit comments from the audience. Thank you for your patience. One last comment that my, my bosses at the Middle Institute are telling me is that there will be a survey to solicit uh, interest from the Harvard community in participating uh, in the work of the commission. I think this will go up in chat if it, or doesn't, if it has not already. Um, or at the end, there will be a survey that you will take after the webinar. Uh, and it's also on the, uh, the Mittal Institute website. You can go to that site, uh, click on it, and indicate what your interest is and how you wish to plug into it. And hopefully there'll be a little bit more clarity once we get through this webinar. Thank you for your patience. Uh, Kiran, can I hand over to you for a few minutes? To just, just thanks, Tarun. Uh, yeah, thanks, Tarun. I think, uh, you know, Tarun has set the stage and very eloquently given you a, an overview of what this Citizens Commission is all about. And we believe that uh, this commission needs to start by asking the right questions on key areas of governance, finance, human resources, technology, and of course, citizens' engagement. And what we believe is that the commissioners uh, will apply themselves through these five, what we call work streams, each of which will ask defining questions 
that can hopefully solve many of the current day conundrums in healthcare delivery, many of which I think Tarun alluded to. Let's start with finance. It's about who pays for what. You know, it's about center and state financing, public and private sector financing, health vouchers to offset out-of-pocket expenses. And here it's very important because right now, out-of-pocket expenses are almost at 60% of uh, people's uh, you know, uh, income. And this ought to reduce to at least 30% is what we believe. Um, and uh, insurance and managed care models are going to be also a very important theme. When it comes to technology, it's about not just digital, but beyond. You know, how does uh, technology, uh, you know, act as a substitute? Like, for example, telemedicine, e-pharmacies, etc. cetera. Uh, how does it, you know, become an enabler, such as data collection, aggregation of services, etc.? And how do you deal with technology as a barrier? For example, there's this constant query about uh, data privacy, hacking, etc. And then finally, how does uh, technology and how do you harness technology as an innovator? You know, we want to uh, look at low-cost therapies, medtech uh, interventions, techniques, etc. cetera. Uh, and then you come to uh, human resources and capacity building. You know, how do we address training, shortage, distribution of healthcare workers, uh, extent of uh, specialization? Uh, how do we make uh, efficient and innovative use of both limited resources and limited skill sets? And then you come to this big question of governance. You know, how do we make sure that we focus on transparency and accountability? What kind of architecture do we need? Uh, how do we uh, assess impact and outcome? You know, how do we assess efficiency and quality of healthcare delivered? You know, how should we regulate the private sector? This is a big question that is being asked by all stakeholders. And then how do we deal with central versus state versus local initiatives? How do we harmonize them? How do we make sure that they don't work in silos, et cetera, et cetera? And then finally, it's about citizens' engagement. The pull versus push for services. I think that's very important for what we are trying to do. We want to you know, gather, uh, run surveys to gather insights into experiences and expectations of citizens. Identification of NGOs that can provide last mile healthcare delivery. Uh, benchmarking public health systems across the world and so on and so forth. So the commission hopes to engage closely with the government's own initiatives in delivering universal healthcare through uh, Ayushman Bharat, which is being perceived as a universal healthcare system, and a very pragmatic national digital health mission, amongst others. As, as Tarun mentioned, citizens' engagement is at the heart of all these efforts and will serve as a fulcrum of the work streams to ensure that we have asked the right questions across all socioeconomic strata so that we align on the right path to bring out a credible commission at the end of the process. So I'm going to end there and hand it back to Taru. Great. Thank you, Kiran. Um, uh, it's been really um, uh, interesting, stimulating, and fun to for the last uh, several months to work with our colleagues 
in these different work streams. Um, we are fortunate and privileged that we have some of the best uh, minds uh, applying to these issues in the country, whether it's on technology or work streams or data gathering issues with citizens engagement and so on. Um, it falls to me now to moderate a conversation among those uh, on the screen. Um, we are hoping that a couple of the other uh, commissioners will join us, but it looks as though they currently have some connection problems. Um, uh, one of the moderators, uh, Salman or someone in the background can let me know if uh, Yamini or Rajni show up so I can include them. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, Poonam, let me start with you since this is the Citizens Commission. Uh, Poonam Mutreja um, um, is leading our work stream on citizens engagement, which as Kiran just mentioned, is going to be the, uh, the centerpiece of pretty much everything that uh, the commission does. Um, so Puna, maybe you can just start uh, giving a broad sense of the mandate of your work stream and in a big, in a big picture sense, how are you going about it? Okay, so I think this is the most exciting work stream and what makes the commission unique is that it is an unprecedented effort to elicit the expectations and experience of citizens and bring together, as Tarun and Kiran said, wide and diverse perspectives uh, in India, found in India's fragmented healthcare and landscape. And I like the exp uh, how Tarun captured the frontline will be including the frontline users and providers. So the effort of the Lancet Commission and reimagining Healthcare in India will be underpinned by a citizen's engagement and, um, and gathering insights, perceptions, experiences of citizens across gender, age, reproductive health, geography, location, and social groups on healthcare services. So what sets this endeavor apart in many, um, from many, many similar efforts, um, starting with commissions 40 years ago and 50 years ago, prior initiatives have, um, um, uh, have um, a, a, a base, uh, this initiative has a base uh, where the recommendations will be consultative, participatory, and key stakeholders across fragmented healthcare landscape will be uh, included their voices and the work will also reflect the aspirations of these stakeholders regarding the health system and how these can be realized across the domains of the commission, including finance, governance, technology, and human resources. And finally, I'd like to say that at this point, you know, tragic as the pandemic is, India for India, it's a huge opportunity um, uh, for reimagining India's public health system and the historical as well as current situation um, um, puts us in a very important position to, ex to, to, to translate the challenge of reaching um, universal health care to the country 
And at this point, I think for uh, researchers to participate from the Harvard community and other communities will be a great opportunity for especially the uh, commission's work, which offers opportunity for strengthening research capacities. But really, the research works team will be placed um, for specific research activities, but a lot of, uh, you know, maybe later on in the Q&A, we will talk about the collaboration of other institutions, doing interesting, unique way of doing surveys, and I'll stop there. Uh, thanks. Unum, let me just, uh, let me just follow up with one, uh, one question. What is the, what is the hardest um, uh, practical challenge to actually getting to all these diverse uh, strata of people? So the one of the big challenges is going to be for um, 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 reaching, how do you reach where people are going to be able to express themselves freely without being seen as being critical, but being constructive? So how do you get, and you know, normally the kind of research we do um, across institutions is not in a pandemic. So we're talking about doing, you know, getting people to express themselves fully and people are not used to actually being administered questionnaires. We are going to reach out to them using technology by and large, you know, unless the situation changes dramatically and the vaccines uh, really transform our not just atmosphere, but our health situation. So the challenge is going to be to get people in the community, healthcare providers, you mentioned the frontline health workers, get them to express themselves using questionnaires through digital technology. So it'll be great, you know, the challenge to this commission is going to be to find the most effective strategies, as well as how we design the questions. So people across, not just commissioners, but people we partner with and the young uh, researchers or not so young researchers who are going to join us using our collective energies to really get the right responses and get people to express themselves, which can be captured for design of a program as well as policy. But uh, yeah, but but you know, you asked me about the challenges, and I hope next time you'll ask me the question about opportunities because I see I I I could never have imagined and somebody in public health that I will have an opportunity to engage where citizens will participate in an endeavor like this. Wonderful. Your your enthusiasm is palpable and I hope contagious. Um, um, uh, you know, Poonam referred to uh, doing this research as the pandemic is still very much underway. Uh, Vikram will speak later to the timeline of the research process, but the research is very much underway right now. And the aim of the commission is to wrap up its and make its final report uh, in August of 2022. Uh, so that's the time horizon over which we are uh, operating. Uh, Subhu, let me turn to you just on the same issue. Subhu is our uh, resident uh, uh, data guru and statistician at the Harvard School of Public Health and a commissioner on this uh, uh, Lancet Citizens Commission. Uh, Subhu, talk to the Harvard community a little bit about um, some of the uh, statistical algorithmic approaches um, that we might need to bring to bear uh, to do this um, practically, but also in a methodologically appropriate way. 
Uh, yeah, th th thank you, Tarun, uh, and welcome everyone uh, from the Harvard community or uh, outside of it uh, to, to this session. And as Tarun said, you know, uh, Apunam's uh, enthusiasm and drive for this is uh, very infectious, uh, uh, needless to say. Um, I think like, uh, you know, uh, if I may just uh, uh, build a little bit on the kind of the uniqueness uh, that Tarun and uh, Poonam have tried to underscore for this commission. It is also like, you know, we are, there's a element of discovery here. Uh, you know, typically like, you know, commissions are like, you know, okay, we know all the, whatever we can. And there is obviously an element of this, we can do better. So there are certain things that are known where we can try to find the gaps, but a huge uh, component uh, of this is really this aspect of how do you bring the citizen's perspective. And uh, in that sense, it is actually quite novel uh, for the entire research community. There is some, some kind of a precedence to fall back on, uh, uh, but, but not in a very systematic and institutionalized way. So within that context, I, I mean, like, you know, I'm sure many of you, especially at Harvard community who follow the US landscape on healthcare, especially since Obamacare, uh, it's been like a mainstream issue. I think like, you know, just prior to Obama, you know, health was not, maybe Clinton made it a, a kind of a, started to make it a mainstream issue. Uh, and certainly like Obama, uh, you know, whatever the plan is, we can disagree, agree on it, but there is no uh, taking away the credit for mainstreaming the issue of health and healthcare. Um, and I think that's a key component. And I think in India, one of the things and why uh, we felt this citizen commission, that's the gap, you know, once an issue becomes mainstream, uh, it becomes that much more, uh, I wouldn't say the easier is the right word, but it becomes more manageable to find solutions and work towards it, uh, despite the differences. But if it's not even a mainstream issue, it's always going to remain in uh, what my colleagues refer to as the siloed approach. You know, everybody has their own kind of the the the, the blind, and they go and do the best they can. Uh, so I think to come back, you know, I think that's a discovery that excites me the most because you know, as a kind of a epidemiologist and a social scientist working on methods. Uh, we often rely on pretty much what is known. You know, it's very hard for us to go out. I don't do trials personally. So again, so, or understand like molecular mechanisms for me to discover something. But if I am studying society, this is the opportunity to study society, you know, so from a citizen's perspective. Uh, so uh, I think like, you know, so that, that part, I think uh, there are two ways in which uh, if I may build on uh, Poonam things, like one is to sort of understand what people's perception are. Uh, so that's the sort of the first gathering. And in that process, like, you know, to Tarun's uh, kind of uh, qu question to me or kind of prompt to me, uh, you know, we can, uh, we are in the process of identifying existing data sets where we can learn about people's perception. There are not that many in India that we can rely on, uh, but that's kind of one stream. Like, you know, what can we learn from existing data 
and then I'll talk a little bit about what perspective we should, we should bring to analyze that data. But so that's the first task. The other task is really kind of to launch new surveys or launch a new field of survey methods here uh, that allows citizen to participate. And here, I hope Sharad will talk about it as well. You know, the brief engagement I had with Sharad, how do we leverage technology in, you know, in we are 2021 and, you know, there are sort of wide ranging system level kind of informational gaps, you know, we are talking about currently about a particular program or a aspirational goal of universal healthcare and how do we deliver it for people and what do people think about it? So that's clearly one goal. But there's also kind of a kind of a bread and butter part of the information, like, you know, counting people or counting uh, unfortunate events uh, in the right way uh, that we can. And I often say this to my colleagues in 2021, India still does not count all its debts. Forget costs and every, even its children's debts. So we estimate, you know, there's no reason for us to estimate those debts because Again, once we start counting this information as the pandemic has uh, taught us, you know, it's not perfect, but it really brings a lot of accountability, right? Uh, sometimes people hack in haste as well when this information come out, we saw that as well in the pandemic, you know, uh, but no one can deny the role that John Hopkins and a bunch of three people did. Uh, and because information is empowering, and of course, then uh, there's a process of transition before which we bring some maturity to handling it. And that, unfortunately, we had to do it on the go. But here we have an opportunity to do this in a more systematic way. Uh, just to sort of close it, like, so that's the sort of the one part that excites me. But I also do, as Tarun said, a lot on the existing data, uh, which is what, like, you know, can we mine something there? And there we are kind of bringing in at least from my research that I hope to bring to the commission and learn from others is um, how do we kind of, you know, and this speaks to a little bit about Poonam's thing too, how do we bring certain degree of precision uh, into, you know, focusing on groups whose needs, uh, whose voice is not heard or whose needs are sort of often not fully on the table. So we've been developing kind of a combination of uh, statistical methods and machine learning methodologies to drive down to see, okay, where are the pockets of population right down to the village level? Uh, obviously there's a lot of leap of faith in methods we have to do, but I also collaborate a lot with the government of India. So we are hoping some of this, we can validate it on the ground. So if I'm coming up with an, a ranking for every village on the prevalence of stunting in India or prevalence of health insurance, uh, you know, how many people have health insurance in India at the village level, um, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, we can validate it because part of the work that we've been trying to do, including a lot of the commissioners, who, who, who we are working, trying to work this in a constructive way with the government of India. So we can try and also use that part of the survey. Like, so we do some of these fancy modeling and so on, but then we need validation because ultimately before it's adopted, people want to know, is this real? And you don't want that itself to turn into another research area where, you know, my colleagues from some other institutions are debating our numbers and so on. So, you know, that's, uh, uh, so I'll probably like, you know, so I'll just focus on kind of a bringing a bring, uh, some degree of geographic precision uh, is, is a key thing. And finally, you know, uh, 
something that I've been very involved in my work, both in the US and especially in India, is how do you, this idea that I talked about, about mainstreaming an issue, and if they can make healthcare an election issue. So that's my goal. So that would involve bringing politicians into the fold. Uh, that would involve bringing citizens demanding that at least I feel I, uh, you know, one of my uh, Anil Agarwal, who used to run Center for Science and Environment, um, uh, he used to say he would rather deal with a corrupt politician rather than a very sincere bureaucrat because the politician is accountable. Every five years, this guy or woman yes. has to stand up and get an election. So if you can get the right set of incentives for these guys, because all they care is to come back. Uh, so there is a there's a kind of a natural degree of so but data is not available where we can hold them accountable one way or the other or empower them if they wish to know what's happening in their so Subhu, that's uh, so, my work yeah sorry, sorry for jumping in you've said so many important things <laughs> uh, i want to highlight two and yeah. then use them to jump off to bring in yeah. uh, sharad and yamini um one that this is a process of discovery yeah I, it's really helpful to remind ourselves of that that there are some things that we know, there are some things that we think that we know, and there are a lot that we know that we don't know. Uh, and really the point of this commission is to bring together um, diverse views to engage in that process of discovery uh, so that we come up with a policy advice that's, um, that's, that's tested in some ways. Uh, the second is this last issue of health. Uh, you know, anybody who lives in two societies as I do in the US and India, and a number of folks on, uh, on the screen, recognizes uh, one big thing that health is, is, is not, has not been an electoral issue in India, uh, despite its raucous democracy, whereas it is frontly an electoral issue in this country, uh, particularly since Obamacare and e even prior to that. So that's a very interesting thing and it goes to the heart of accountability and so on and so forth. Since we spoke about accountability, um, um, uh, Sharad, I'm gonna come to you about uh, using technology to get at underrepresented underrepresented data that we need to find in a second. But Yamni, do you want to, do you want to just uh, chime in? Uh, I think you're there. I saw you momentarily. But if you're there, can you say a little bit about the governance work stream and how we're thinking about the issue of accountability in general? Yes, of course. Uh, in fact, uh, I've just come from a panel. Uh, we, we have a group of think tanks in India that get together to discuss uh, the budget and health. And the governance of health was very much uh, front and center in, in our debates. Uh, I think one of the most uh, positive fallouts of uh, the pandemic, uh, to the extent that they can be a positive fallout, uh, is that finally fiscal hawks are beginning to start recognizing that uh, health uh, and uh, well-being is uh, constitutive of uh, an economy uh, and investment in health and well-being is not an afterthought but central to what, what makes an economy. But that also brings to bear a very, very crucial question, uh, particularly in the context of India, uh, about uh, the governance of public health. Uh, one, uh, even a casual observer of uh, India's health system, public
public health system uh, is perhaps uh, well aware of the many acute governance challenges that the health system faces, high degrees of absenteeism, poor quality of care, uh, a broken infrastructure. Uh, there, the, the problems uh, are enormous. Uh, but above all, I think there is a, a, a particularly crucial challenge of a system that is designed to be accountable to the extent that it is uh, to itself, rather than to the citizens and uh, the patients that it serves, uh, which, which together has created a very deep breakdown in public trust towards the public health system. Uh, and strengthening uh, public health, uh, 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 the, the public provision of health, which is at the heart of what makes for a robust universal healthcare system, requires regaining of that trust. The only means through which that trust can be regained is by uh, building and strengthening the governance architecture that ensures uh, that the system is incentivized to perform in a manner that provides high quality care to all those that access it. Uh, this sounds really good in terms of a, a nice grand narrative. Uh, underneath these are very uh, complex, hard questions uh, that uh, uh, need to be teased out uh, and understood. Uh, on the one hand, there is a question of uh, the regulation of the health sector, uh, and the government plays a central role in that as a steward, as well as a standard setter. Uh, and uh, for anybody who has followed the Indian economy closely, over the last two, two and a half decades, uh, they will admit that even though uh, the mantra of the 1991 reforms was to get the state out of the way of everything and ensure that the state regulates, the state proved that the very anomalies that it caused once it's inside things also found their way into the regulatory architecture that it built for itself for many parts of the economy. Uh, and the challenge in health is even more complex because it is a coming together of different, of a multitude of different aspects of, of the provision of care. Uh, that requires teasing out what a robust regulatory architecture looks like, uh, the, both in terms of determining the appropriate standards, uh, uh, capacitating it. Uh, one of the biggest uh, limitations of our uh, health system uh, is actually just, a, ju just the sheer lack of human resources, and our regulatory systems have that too. Just to give you an example, when the Ayushman Bharat, our uh, sort of uh, uh, um, uh, health insurance uh, mega program was announced about three years ago. I did some back of the envelope calculations for how the trusts that are managing uh, government uh, insurance programs are people, just in terms of number of people. We made a few phone calls across different states and found that the number ranges anywhere between five employees to 100 or 250, I think, in what was then Andhra Pradesh. Um, and then uh, uh, we looked at uh, what's happening in the US. Medicare and Mediclaim have a group of over 4,000 employees in Baltimore looking at claims data to figure out price setting. Uh, so just, just, just basic, very basic capacity issues uh, uh, confront the regulatory structure, along with much harder ones, what to regulate, how to regulate, what's the best form to regulate, and what's the best way to create an institutional architecture uh, that both uh, empowers patients and enhances their 
bargaining power, but at the same time creates a regulatory architecture in which multiple participants and stakeholders, including the private sector, can have a level playing field. So that's one set of core questions. The second set of core questions, and they're all quite interlinked, relates to the federal architecture uh, of India's uh, um, uh, um, governance system. Uh, India is a union of states. Uh, there is a fairly complex uh, intergovernmental transfer system, and the Indian constitution very clearly delineates subjects that are uh, the responsibility of states and those that are responsibility of the center. Health is a state subject. Um, and over the decades, there has been a fairly complex inter, um, uh, in, uh, intersecting of roles and responsibilities across center state uh, in ways where uh, the center has tended to, uh, in my uh, view, encroach on areas that are firmly within the state's constitutional purview, but also creating a fairly complex intergovernmental uh, dynamic, uh, which isn't necessarily serving the cause of the citizen and is instead creating bottlenecks and hurdles. In fact, in some ways, the public health system, much as many other aspects of service delivery in India, face a very fundamental first principles question. What level of government should be performing what level of function? And at the heart of all of this, uh, an accountable system is a system that is closest to people. And that requires a robust role of local governments. India is probably one of the few countries in the world where the third tier of its government, the, the rural governments and, and the municipalities, play a very limited role uh, in the provision of healthcare, also particularly in public healthcare, uh, provision of civic services, all of which are very critical to uh, creating an integrated and robust uh, public health system. So how does one strengthen the role of local governments uh, and ensure that they play an important role in provisioning and holding the system accountable in a way that genuinely responds to needs to needs, needs of citizens is a third pillar. And the, and the last piece that we want to look at when we talk about governance and accountability uh, the tendency very often is to fall into the trap of talking about incentives and contract uh, and also about carrots and stick. But the real question at the heart, I think, of the public sector in India, actually uh, uh, the, the professional environment in India, is what shapes professional norms that drives behaviors in ways that genuinely are service delivery oriented, performance oriented, rather than waiting for biometrics to tell you uh, 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 the attendance uh, to, to get you to show up to work. We are all here. Uh, for some of us, it's dinner time in India. Uh, there's something about our professional norms that are pushing us to be accountable, to be here, engage with you and engage with each other. Uh, why is it that we're not able to instill those in professional norms? What, what is it about the profession that is evolving in a way uh, that is breaking down that basic fundamental trust of the public health system? Uh, it's a very ambitious agenda. Uh, uh, and I hope that we'll be able to at least cover some ground in the process of roles and responsibilities with overlaps that empower rather than disempower as the current system looks. So thank you. Thank you, Yamini. Very, very eloquent. And we do recognize Sorry. that we are pulling you from dinner. So thank you for, uh, <laughs> thank you for, that, for that demonstration of professional norms, which I heartily endorse. Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, uh, Yamini brings up a very important point that, you know, for all the, um, uh, you know, I'm trained as a mathematician, for all the, uh, the gearheads and nerdy approaches to data gathering that someone like Subu or myself would embrace, that ultimately it's about using the data as a crutch to foster trust, to get over the mistrust in the system, because no amount of technology or data are going to address 
ambient mistrust. Um, and that really is a, uh, you know, a collective, almost a societal angst that we have to confront. Uh, and sadly, those schisms uh, on some direction appear to be coming, to be becoming even more severe uh, in recent times. Uh, more work for us as a commission, uh, but something that we readily embrace. Uh, Sharad, let me turn to you. Um, you know, everybody has uh, implicitly re referred to your work stream on technology. Kiran did, uh, Poonam did, Subhu did, and uh, Yamini did in alluding to, to, to data. Um, how are you thinking about the challenge of finding appropriate, using technology to address some of these issues? So, you know, our commission is about reimagining the health system. So if you go back to the last 10 years, there are two reimagining projects that have happened in India uh, that are although controversial, but also very successful. Clearly one of them is about DBT, direct benefits transfer. And India, of course, has the largest direct benefits transfer program in the world, right? And, uh, uh, and it's only, you know, one third way in, uh, and there is a, it has disintermediated lots of players in the middle and therefore reduced corruption and the leaky bucket that we had in many areas have reduced to the point where at least the current political party attributes it's coming back to power <laughs> largely because of this aggressive move uh, uh, of uh, moving many of the government benefits uh, to the DBT system. And I like to tell a story that even in my state, uh, which is Karnataka, uh, which had a Congress government, you know, which was opposing DBT. But when the elections were around, they took the largest benefits program, which is farmers, and promptly announced that that will go DBT, right? So, so DBT has political consensus. It started in Andhra Pradesh, was very successful, uh, and is uh, doing very well. And and so that's one reimagination project that has happened at large scale. The second reimagination project, which some of you may be familiar with, is to do with financial inclusion. So this is why, you know, a former Harvard student, Bill Gates, goes to Singapore FinTech Festival last month and says, hey, guys, don't waste your time. All you FinTech guys, go and learn from India. This is why you have the Bank of International Settlements in December 2019 issue a paper saying that the financial model, the developmental model for emerging markets should be the India model, right? Now, what is this India model? That India model is really saying that if you want to solve for financial inclusion and have breakthrough results, and BIS in its paper, you're welcome to look it up, says what India has achieved in seven years would normally would have taken a developing country 46 years to achieve. So the crunching that has happened is quite significant, right? It's about 30, 35 years. So if this is really what you want to achieve, what's been the principle behind it? And that principle behind it is, could we, re, can, could we bring some of those principles to bear in reimagining health? And the answer to that is yes. But what are those principles? Those principles are actually very simple, that we need new innovation to solve this problem. Right Today, our healthcare delivery, if you want to do it at $3,000 per capita, of course, we can do a very good job. But with a per capita income of $2,000, of course, that's not even possible. Could we replicate the Thailand model and try it at $700? Perhaps we don't even have money for $700. If we really want to solve this, we got to reimagine the system that would deliver it something in the range of $200, 250 $260, $270, if that is, if at all something like that. So we cannot take existing templates that are there 
and simply bring them to India and expect that they'll work. There's not going to happen. There isn't an analog anywhere else in the world other than Cuba, which would allow us to do that in the Cuban model, unfortunately, may not work in our political economy. So uh, so, so we, we, if we have to reimagine, that reimagination requires, as has happened in the case of financial inclusion, it requires a partnership between innovation and digital public infrastructure or public infrastructure. Why do I say digital public infrastructure? Because in India, it is easier to establish digital public infrastructure than to establish physical public infrastructure for a variety of reasons, right? Although some of that is changing. So if we can imagine that and bring very coordinated approaches uh, related to that in policy, because this is, so this is the three things that have to come together. Public infrastructure, digital public infrastructure, innovation in the hands of the providers and and policy, then you can do something that's never been done before. Now, India is ripe for this, right? And in many ways, it's ripe for this. Why is it ripe for this? While I agree with, uh, with Subhu that it hasn't become a political issue, even before COVID happened, there was a national health agency that was set up. And some of you, if you follow this, the person who's been intimately involved in the earlier revolution, uh, R.S. Sharma, was recently appointed, much to everybody's surprise, as the head of NHA, right? And this is a signaling from the government that it wants to replicate the same reimagining exercise in health. So that's number one. Number two, uh, it is ripe. Why is it ripe? Is because of COVID, right? I mean, there is an appetite to experiment, you know, that wasn't there. Uh, before, uh, in in a way, you know, would would not have been the case. And 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 the third is that some of the building blocks, which is what you guys asked me to speak about, uh, are related to data, have already been deployed. So in August of last year, something called the Personal Health Records and the Health ID was announced, and it is in the process of deployment. The Personal Health Records and the financial data sharing. Both are actually part of something called data empowerment and protection architecture. Uh, and this DEPA, as it's called, is being rolled out for the first time in a techno-legal manner. The technology is DEPA, and the legal is the Privacy Data Protection Bill, which is currently in the Joint Parliamentary Committee, as some of you may be reading. You know, they're about to issue a report. And, you know, it's a very, very likely scenario that uh, it will come up to parliament and most likely parliament will approve that bill. So we will take a coordinated approach. This was a mistake India did with Aadhaar. They rolled out the tech infrastructure, but not the enabling legal framework. So it operated without legal coverage for some time. In this case, it is happening in a coordinated fashion. Now, bringing this data revolution that we are talking about, what does it do? It puts the control of health data firmly in the hands of the patient. And the health ID system is very important that in that way, because it allows an Indian citizen to have multiple health IDs, one for reproductive health, sexual health, you know, your regular health. And, and there is nobody in the government who can know that these three IDs belong to the same person. It's impossible to know that. And so there's no mapper anywhere in the system. It's very private. The power, it's therefore, some people have referred to this as data democracy, right? And the second part is that it unlocks data for which more meaningful research can happen. So mm -hmm. in terms of research use cases, you know, it will take two, three, four years for it to evolve. But somebody sitting in Harvard 
uh, Sachit Balsari, our friend there who's been involved in this, wants to find out how many thalassemia minor patients are there, uh, you know, who are 45 years of age and above uh, and take blood pressure medicine uh, and have comorbidity with something else, right? So, uh, <coughs> you'll be able to find that out. You won't know the names, but there'll be a procedure to enroll them in some kind of a trial, provided there's an ethical approval that's been taken. So, this process, which has so far in a way been only there in Denmark, will be available at India scale here in India. So these are big changes that are coming. These are already in the hopper, right? I mean, we don't need the Lancet Commission to make them happen. What we need the Lancet Commission is to reimagine what can be done on top of it as we go forward. How can we, as Kiran said, use the same approach of public infrastructure and innovation to reimagine point of care uh, diagnosis? How can we reimagine how how diagnosis will happen based on the back of biomarkers. How can we imagine early detection <laughs> becomes much more pervasive than what it is today? How do we use methods, you know, behavioral economic methods to work so that preventive healthcare becomes the norm? Now, these are questions that we have to ask here in the Lancet Commission. But I think the timing is just right. And if we all work together in an interdisciplinary manner, I think we'll come with some breakthrough answers and that will help us take it forward. And maybe we'll look back five, seven, 10 years from now and see this as the third reimagination success story. And in this story, the Lancet Commission had an important role to play. So that's really what I'm hoping will happen as well. Thank you, Sharad. Thank you, Sharad. Um... Uh, very, very well said. You know, a couple of things that were going through my uh, going through my head. Um, uh, some of us are. It, it's it was great to hear Ram Sevak uh, Sharma taking over taking over that role, and that reminds me to to get in touch with him. But you know, to the Harvard community, if you think about the comments that have been made uh, by Subhu Yamini Sharad, right? There were essentially references to uh, issues related to the law, issues related to data. Um, uh, even issues related to engineering of medical devices, to public health, to business, to political science, to economics. And in a sense, it's an invitation to all of you to participate in some way. Uh, find the particular angle that speaks to your, your expertise and your desire to learn and contribute, and please join us. Um, Vikram, before I hand off to you, I have a question to you. Um, in your guise as a, as a, as a, as a doctor, as a medical doctor, um, is there not some degree of skepticism about the use of technology on the part of clinicians? Can you speak to that and how you how how are you processing it? Not as a co-chair of the Lancet Commission, but as a as a, as the closest person on the screen to the practice of medicine. So I have to say, uh, <laughs> yeah, Tarun, that's a very uh, complex question because it depends on what technology and what purpose it's being used for. And of course, I'm fudging it, really. Um, what I will say is that technology that comes in the way of the engagement that a doctor should have with his or her patient is not good technology. Technology which enables and further strengthens that process of rapport building, the therapeutic alliance. You know, I'm a psychiatrist. Of course, I put a lot of emphasis on the therapeutic alliance. Um, I think it's very successful technology. But I will tell you one good example. When I first registered with my primary care practitioner in Boston, uh, I, basically she spent almost 90% of the consult looking at a computer screen. I think that's that's rubbish technology. Um, and I think, I think we can all tell what that means from our own personal experiences. 
But let me let me pivot um, uh, to um, the, the the piece that you really wanted me to speak about, which is how can all of you who have con connected with the uh, uh, with the webinar today um, get involved? If you're interested, obviously get involved with the commission. And I wanted to say two things. First of all, um, about uh, the participatory approach, we've heard a lot about the participatory approach, the citizens' engagement, etc. But I wanted to emphasize that that also includes those of you who are passionate about achieving a rights-based uh, just founded approach towards healthcare in India. Those of you, and I think Tarun rightly pointed out, that is not from any one discipline. It is, you, it's already reflected in this incredible diversity of disciplines that are on this panel. But if you look at the website, and I would encourage you to look at the website because you'll find heaps more on the website, um, you will find an incredible array of people in terms of their backgrounds, their work experiences, the sectors they work in. And I think that alone, Tarun, in my mind, is, is marks this as a very unique commission in the explicit effort we've had uh, uh, you know, to bring together scientists, academics, uh, practitioners, civil society, activists, et cetera, uh, onto one platform. And so this is an interdisciplinary effort and an intersectoral one. And all of you who are interested in healthcare in India uh, could see that this could be a potential uh, a platform for you to be engaged with. And the second thing I wanted to say is that this is not a problem finding pro uh, 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 commission. God knows we know enough about the problems. Um, I think this is very much a solutions focused. Uh, commission. And I think that's something we need to emphasize that everything we're doing is not about identifying the problems, which all of us know. Uh, uh, well, maybe not every problem, but we know the big ticket ones are, and Tarun and many others have spoken to that already. The real emphasis here is what are the solutions? And in particular, not aspirational solutions that are simply going to remain in the in the pages of the Lancet, but solutions that are actually acceptable, that are tractable, that are fundable. Uh, and I, when I say acceptable, I mean not only by the government, but very importantly, let's not forget the very big private medical sector of India. And you know, Tarun has spoken to this historically. All conversations on universal health coverage have either pretended the private sector does not exist or have really seen the private sector as a supplement or has seen the private sector as an enemy. Um, and what we really want to do is to move forward from those sorts of uh, uh, perspectives and really imagine, reimagine. I think, uh, Sharad, you, you spoke beautifully, but I think one of the reimaginations that I, I'm sure you'd agree with me is how can we make all the providers of India work to a common purpose to serve the needs of all Indians, rather than to be pitted against each other in these ideological dis debates and disputes that I believe for too long, uh, 70 years have really come in the way of progress. Now, how can you all get involved? Uh, <clears throat> there are two big areas. One is research. Of course, I think many of you are probably students or faculty colleagues uh, at Harvard and beyond. Uh, obviously, this might be a more direct uh, appeal to you. Uh, but the other, and I won't say much about that, is dissemination and advocacy and engagement. I won't say much about that because I'm assuming that most of you are, uh, are going to be coming from a more academic science-driven background. We have a very systematic research process that is underway right now, a number of different methods that are being anchored in different institutions. Uh, the methods include a systematic review or maybe a narrative, a scoping review of the literature uh, in the last 10 years around the different work stream questions, uh, which, are, which is being anchored at Christian Medical College, Velour. Um, a stakeholder consultation uh, with both uh, community health workers, community providers, primary care doctors, and private providers that is being anchored at the Population Foundation of India. 
And then this will be followed. This is the first phase, identifying potential solutions. Uh, the second phase is a much more representative analysis of uh, how these solutions might be implemented through two methods. The first is a large-scale surveys of the population of the country, as well as providers anchored potentially at the Indian Institute of Population Sciences in Mumbai. And the second is case studies of successful and less successful districts. Subhu is going to help us identify those districts uh, that is anchored at the IIM, Indian Institute of Management in Bengaluru. So you can already see four really major Indian institutions who are actually anchoring and leading work. Uh, and I think for Tarun and me and Subhu coming from Harvard, this is a very, very important thing to state at the outset. Uh, this is primarily an Indian anchored, Indian grounded, Indian led uh, effort where we are providing support where needed, uh, but really largely this is led from uh, by Indian leaders. Um, and then, of course, there are some other uh, uh, ideas and pieces as well. One particular piece I should mention is that uh, apart from these cross-cutting, workstream cross-cutting research methods, there are also workstream specific methods. And the best example I can think is that of the financing workstream led by Najiket Moore, uh, one of India's leading uh, economists and, and, and financial uh, brains, really, where he's you know, working with a diverse range of uh, partner organizations to develop economic models that can examine the most efficient way uh, of having a pooling of funds so that ultimately the goal of UHC, which is uh, zero out-of-pocket expenditure for most healthcare for most people in the country, uh, can be realized with the resources that are available. Okay, finally, uh, how, how do you get involved? Uh, I, I suggest you could just go to the website. Uh, I don't know if uh, somebody can just put the, oh, it's there, right. Yes, the yeah. website address is there in the chat box. You will see, unfortunately, for some reason today, it's loading a little slowly. I don't know why, but we're going to try and fix that quickly. Um, but basically, if you go to the contact us page, you will see an email uh, thing that you can fill in there. And the multiple ways in which you can be involved is number one, you can be involved in any of the research uh, methods. If you have an interest, for example, in reviewing the literature or you're involved, interested in stakeholder consults, you can express your interest in that particular uh, uh, research method. In the next month, we are going to be posting a draft research protocol explaining the entire landscape of research uh, on the website so you can then get a little bit more informed of what, what, what's planned and how you can get involved. Um, you will see already on the website already more than a dozen institutions around the country which are already signed on and their research faculty are, and students are involved and we're hoping very much that people from Harvard will also join uh, uh, that growing community. The second is just share resources. If you come across documents, publications, uh, uh, anything that you think is germane to the goal of the commission, please share it because you know there's no way we can know everything that's happening, particularly stuff in the gray literature that doesn't get indexed uh, in one of the standard databases. Third, over the coming weeks and months, we are going to be posting our protocols, our research protocols, just as we now do for before, you know, as part of the open access peer review process. Uh, so that you can actually comment on, on protocols, you can have your thoughts known, you can critique it, and you can make these protocols much stronger. Fourth, you can connect us with people that you know might be interested. By the way, we also are looking for funds. So if you know donors who might be interested in this supporting this effort, or you might know other partners who can contribute in an academic or scholarly way, connect us with people. We are, we're, this is actually an active participatory process. Even this webinar, uh, as it were, is, is an effort to reach out and be very open and inclusive. 
And finally, just share, use the email just to share your thoughts. You know, I think this is a really important question you guys should address, or I think this is a big concern that you are missing altogether. We are listening and we're trying to incorporate all these ideas and suggestions in everything we do. Uh, so finally, I wanted to say is I'm hoping that ultimately, uh, you know, we will be forming a large community. We already have more than 100 people who have signed on to the website. Uh, I don't know, Shamali and Shubhangi, if you can just put onto the onto the chat box, is there going to be an alert system? Ultimately, I think the website should have an alert system so that everyone who has signed up for alerts will get information of future events, webinars, uh, publications, etc. And for those of you who are wanting to contribute in a substantial way, for example, as co-investigators in any research exercise, of course, there is always the carrot of possible authorship if you play the role that merits authorship. And I know that everyone on the commission is eager to see all the multiple publications we see arising over the coming two years as being co-authored by as diverse a group of younger researchers from India and people who are passionate about India. Thanks, Tarun. Great, thank you. Thank you, Vikram. As you can see, an uh, invitation that I would like to amplify. Um, uh, please do join us in any of the several capacities that Vikram uh, articulated. Um, I'm looking for a time check. We still have time for some questions. Um, there are a bunch that came from either the YouTube channel or on the chat. So um, Vikram, I'm gonna direct one of these to you first, uh, which is how is the commission thinking about interfacing with the government. Um, and the, the, uh, the questioner uh, correctly points out that many of the past commissions were initiated by the government. This one has not been initiated by the government. Could you comment? Yeah, thanks, Arun. You know, the honest truth is, let's be, let's be also very open about the process here. We did reach out to the government um, and we had terrific support from key thought leaders in the government, people, people in authority like Dr. Vinod Paul at Niti Aayog, uh, Dr. Vijay Raghavan, who's the uh, chief scientific officer of um, to the prime minister, um, Dr. Balram Bhaga, who is the director general of ICMR. The truth of the matter is that they are all very supportive, but they recognize that if this commission has to be genuinely able to provide recommendations, uh, it has to actually work independent of government. It has to constantly liaise with government. It has to constantly inform the government of what it's doing in order to make sure that we're heading in a track that the government will ultimately find acceptable, but it cannot be part of the government. Um, and all of these important thought leaders in government are clearly government employees, and they would feel compromised to be part of a commission that comprises essentially a group of independent uh, leaders, such as those you see on this webinar. So it's a, it's a, it's a delicate uh, balancing game, Tarun, as you know well. Uh, we want to work with the government. We have liaison officers in many of the departments of the government that we connect with every month. Um, we intend to keep the government informed, but we are an independent scientific voice. And finally, to say The Lancet's an independent journal. So whatever we finally publish will have to be seen as being free of all conflicts of interest. So just to just to augment what Vikram said, um, um, we have set up a, 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 a what I would call a process of liaisoning, if that's if that's even a verb, uh, with the government. There are people from uh, Niti Aayog that we are in regular touch with. Uh, there are people from the Ministry of Health, um, uh, and of course the principal scientific advisor uh, and his office. Uh, so the intent very much, and you know, if you go to the uh, the uh, the opinion piece that announced the launching of the commission in the Lancet, 
you'll see, and I'll just repeat what I said earlier, that the government uh, and the state uh, are the steward, regulator, financier um, uh, of the healthcare system. Uh, and it, it's, it falls to the rest of us to support that agenda towards universal healthcare. Um, uh, Kiran, let me turn to you. There've been a number of um, um, comments about the private sector. Uh, and there's some questions in the YouTube channel also about uh, how do you see uh, both the positive and, and negative aspects of the private sector historically being, obviously the positives being augmented and the negatives being contained somehow as informing the policy approach of the commission? Well, you know, the conundrum is, uh, you know, that we've always viewed um, healthcare through a prism of charity for the poor and a commodity for the rich, and that cannot uh, exist or sustain. And we also know that the private sector has a very major role to play. If you think about quality healthcare and specialist healthcare, it is largely being provided by the private sector. And even during the uh, pandemic, you can see that, uh, you know, the capacity that the, that the private sector provided was not, was very significant. And therefore you cannot uh, do without the private sector. And I think what we need is a governance model that is fair and equitable and clearly defines the roles and responsibilities of both the private and public sector. In fact, uh, you know, the recent budget actually uh, did call out a greater investment in uh, uh, you know, healthcare spending. And they also called out the fact that the private sector has to play a very important role in capacity building, skill building, and, qual you know, and delivering on the universal healthcare objectives of the country, and especially in also the digital health mission of the, of the country. But they clearly acknowledge that they almost want to set up a health regulator mm. to make sure that there is no profiteering at the cost of patients on, on part of the private sector. That's really where the, the lack of trust is and which needs to be bridged. And I think we can address this uh, fairly well. And I think the Lancet Commission needs to play a very, very important role in addressing this conundrum that we have never re really addressed and solved in an effective way. So we, 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 I think we accept the fact that the private sector is integral to our healthcare system and it's integral to reimagining India's health system. So I think the, the question is what should be the governance, what should be the guardrails, what should be the, the transparency account and accountability of the private sector in delivering healthcare. And I think we can find those answers. Thanks, thanks, Kiran. Yamni, you want to um, uh, amplify? You you mentioned in your comments that there's a collection of think tanks uh, in Delhi and the rest of the country thinking about some of these issues. Uh, do you have anything to add to this issue? No, just to say that I think uh, uh, there's there's a number there there is a variety of uh, stakeholders, think tanks, researchers, um, uh, uh, nonprofits, uh, implementing NGOs, the private private sector uh, that are actively involved in engaging with and thinking about different aspects of healthcare. I think one of the challenges has been the absence of a platform in which different voices and different perspectives come together. 
uh, in a way uh, to debate uh, and and dialogue and deliberate. Uh, and I think what is particularly uh, important about this commission is that it really brings together uh, very, very different perspectives onto the same page. Uh, for, uh, if, uh, for those of you who don't uh, get to be a fly on the wall in some of our conversations, I can assure you they're quite heated. Uh, and and that gets to that that actually gets to the heart of the opportunity and the challenge uh, that uh, India confronts today as it looks to uh, think of, a, of 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 addressing many of the gaps in its health system that COVID has presented, and as we as a group look to think differently uh, about addressing what has been a long uh, known challenge, but one that has not necessarily been prioritized. So, um, uh, I, what what is exciting about this? is the uh, variety of views, uh, is the ability to bring different stakeholders onto a platform to, to, to engage in dialogue. Uh, and, and most crucially, the approach which is not just limited to uh, the views of a group of experts, but an attempt to try and reach out to, uh, to, to a much wider set of stakeholders and participants in the health system through the citizen-led surveys, um, in particular, uh, to to, 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 to get a deeper understanding of where perceptions on the health system are, what experiences with the health system are, and to arrive at what could be a genuinely deliberative, consultative process of reimagining healthcare. Uh, I think it's also our contribution to deepening democracy through these processes, which are equally important. Uh, thanks, thanks, Yamini. Uh, Poonam, there's a question directed towards you on the YouTube channel. It, it, uh, it basically says, what what specifically or how are you thinking about addressing marginalized groups, particularly those of disenfranchised caste, gender related uh, disparities and so on and so forth in your uh, data led approach to? Um, when I mentioned that earlier, that we will be reaching um, a diverse group of people, we were not only talking about the private sector, public sector, uh, healthcare providers in both the sectors, we were talking about communities too. And in terms of communities, we have talked about, for instance, women, uh, specifically through self-help groups, working, uh, reaching out to minorities, reaching out to people who um, have the least um, access to healthcare. So that would be in terms of disability has come up, uh, in terms of sexual orientation, etc. So all these are going to be categories that are going to be very much part and an important part because these haven't been heard. And here I might, uh, if I may add, uh, that there is a program of government of India called um, 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 uh, 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 CAR, which is Community Action in Health. And we have the privilege, this is the National Health Missions, one of the five pillars it sits on. And PFI has the privilege of being the secretariat for that. And we have the opportunity with government funding and support to reach out to the most uh, neglected, the most unreached communities to bring their perspective and on an ongoing basis. So we are well, we do have some data already, but we'll be collecting uh, because we have this great collective intellectual, experienced academic and non-academic group with us. 
where we'll be redesigning uh, some of the questions we um, normally ask, and it's going to actually end up strengthening the public health system accountability as well as getting citizens' voices. So not only are we going to reimagine um, India's public health, but we will look at that. And I cannot imagine um, citizens' voice without the most marginalized voices, which have not had an opportunity in the past. So those who've had an opportunity to express their voice in the past is going to be captured, as Vikram said, to a great extent by the systematic review, the case studies, the um, ongoing uh, uh, work that I, we hope many of you will link us to, as Vikram said, from globally. But within uh, um, the surveys that are going to be done, both qualitative and quantitative, as well as the case studies, there is going to be a huge focus on the most marginalized communities. Thank you. Thank you, Poonam. Um, you know, we're running out of time, and I know some of us have a hard stop in a couple of minutes. There's one interesting question which was posed uh, to, to, to one of us, but I'll frame it more generally. Uh, is this commission in danger of overpromising? Is the thrust of the question? Um, uh, who, who, uh, Subhu, you, you can answer in uh, 15 seconds. And then I'm going to go to Sharad and to Vikram and we'll wrap. You're on mute. Uh, please unmute. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Very no. short. Yeah, thank you for that, uh, Tarun. I'm going to reply the way you replied to me when I reached out on that dashboard. Aspiration is good. We wanted to reach right to the prime minister. So I asked, you know, do you have contacts? Tarun said, good to be aspirational. I, I, I don't think we are overshooting ourselves. It is certainly a challenge, but wherever we get, I think we will be in a better spot than where we are now. Sharad? It is more complex than financial inclusion, uh, way more complex. Uh, there are some benefits. I mean, in financial inclusion, 70% is public sector banks, 30% is private. This is the reverse. But there you have a regulator who does not distinguish between public providers, provide, private providers. We don't have a regulator here. Uh, you know, it's a state subject. So there are complexities. And also, you know, adoption in the health system has generally been you know, at a more staid pace than what has happened in other sectors. So I would say this is very complex. I think we should approach it with humility. Without humility, we won't have a learning mindset. And, uh, you know, we need all of that. And, uh, you know, but we, this situation is so important to India's future, one seventh of the world's population, that we have to be ambitious about what we have to set out to do. It is better to be ambitious and fail than not to try at all. So that is the way I would look at it. Thank you, Sharad. Vikram, last word. <laughs> you know, at this stage in my life, I kind of think to myself, either I want to walk in the park or I want to walk in. And I have to say that the latter sounds a lot more interesting. Yes, of course, it's action. Of course, it's ambitious. Of course, it's audacious. Um, but hell, you know, if we don't try and do these things in our lives, what's the point of living? One thing I will say is that, um, you know, I, I think it is also a unique opportunity. Let's not forget that this pandemic, as you re remarked at the outset, has for the first time shown everyone, rich and poor, this is important, Tarun, the wealthy in our country, in India, have always looked away to the condition of the rotten public healthcare system we have because we never use it. Um, and I think for the first time, we realized that when we neglect health, it ruins everyone's uh, well-being. And I think this is therefore a wake-up call after 70 years that everyone must work together 
to ensure universal health care for everyone. Thank you, Vikram. Well said. Uh, healthcare is a front page issue, uh, perhaps for the first time in India in 70 plus years. Um, it remains for me to thank the, uh, the, the panelists and everybody participating in the Lancet Citizens Commission. Thank you for all for coming together. I encourage the Harvard community to please uh, join this effort in whatever way you, you find interesting and useful to contribute. Um, there will be a survey again at the end of this uh, webinar that again gives you a chance to express your uh, interest in participating. And with that, uh, thank you. Uh, have a good rest of the day and good night to our folks in India.